Hello there, and welcome back for another mini-sode of Stories Lived, Stories Told. I'm Abby, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. Not physically, of course, but still here with me in a way. Because even though these episodes are a lot of me just talking into this microphone, which I need to give a huge thank you to Merit of the CMM Board of Stewards for supplying me with and shipping it to me in Indiana all the way from Norway so that we could make a good quality podcast, something to be proud of. So thank you, Merit. But yeah, these episodes are mostly me. So it's easy to forget that all of this is supposed to be a conversation. Now, we will hear from Dr. Barbara McKay again later as she helps us to understand the hierarchy model from her perspective, but it's not so much back and forth. And that's weird because this is really the only kind of space where it could even be so one-sided, right? I hesitate to say never, but basically you never are in a conversation where one person does all the talking and the other just listens and can't even respond with their own thoughts or even nonverbals. Okay, maybe there are conversations where it's way skewed and one person does more of the talking than the other, but never to this point, not in our human interactions, our face-to-face ones. Early on in the study of communication was this model of sender-receiver, meaning that one person sent the message or the communication and the other received it. And that was the way we thought about interactions for a long time. And it still finds its way into our thinking, even though it's mostly understood to be way simplistic. Now, in the world of communication, though, we mostly get that we're all always sending and receiving messages. There are just so many layers to every interaction. Like if we are in conversation with each other, maybe maybe I'm sending you a verbal message that you receive. But at the same time, maybe you are sending me a nonverbal message that I'm receiving. Like maybe you are nodding along with what I'm saying and giving supportive and encouraging nonverbals. And maybe you're frowning and shaking your head or... Sending nonverbals that convey to me you're confused or disagree or don't like what I'm saying. And then that would impact me in conversation in the course of our conversation. Basically, it's a lot. (laughs) There's always so much going on on so many different levels in all of our interactions. And I can see how that would feel overwhelming to some people, that there's so much to be aware of or pay attention to, so many moving parts and even the smallest interaction, but to me, it's exciting. And you don't have to love it exactly like I do, but I think it's worth paying attention to. What I love is breaking down communication like this because that is what builds our communication competence, right? So if communication competence is our ability and our skill to communicate effectively, And maybe we all have a baseline level of communication competence, right? That's going to be affected by our family of origin, um, our peers, the style of interaction that we grew up with and that we learned. We all have maybe some level of communication competence. But it's something worth building and putting intentional effort towards for everybody. Because by improving your communication competence, I really do believe that it has the power to improve our relationships and from there our quality of life. I've said it before that we think of communication as this abstract force and it's unknowable or unattainable. It makes me think of that song from The Sound of Music called Maria. Uh, They're the nuns. You know, she's not following the rules. They just don't get her. So the whole song is, how do you solve a problem like Maria? 
Uh, how do you catch a cloud and pin it down? How do you keep a wave up on the sand? How do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? So equating her to all these kind of intangible, uncontrollable things. And that's how we talk about communication a lot. But it's not like that. You know, you, you can't hold it in your hand. Okay, it's not that. But it is tangible. Not in this physical way, but mentally. Like you can grasp it as a concept. Well, that was a lot to say that today we're talking about the hierarchy model, which is the model in CMM that I'm least familiar with. So we're learning right alongside each other today. This is where we are really thankful for all the wonderful resources that are out there already that exist to teach CMM. One that I am going to quote a little today is a video from 2011. It's on the CMM website. It's Kim and Barnett Pierce talking about the hierarchy model and giving some context in the video, Barnett talks about using the hierarchy model as a lens to understand his cancer diagnosis. I'll link it below if you want to watch it. There are also a handful of other videos that break down CMM on that page too, but I'll talk, I'll talk more of the theory today. So the hierarchy model, again, 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 about context. So thinking of the idea of a hierarchy just in general, the idea that certain things, people, ideas have more value or status or are above others. There is a hierarchy and order to things. Then overlaying that idea on top of communication is what gives us the hierarchy model for CMM. In the video, Barnett goes back to the CMM-ish notion that we are never only telling one story at a time. We saw it in the loop model. We see it in ourselves. We know this. There are always multiple stories happening in ourselves. So what the hierarchy model does is helps us to understand how we are organizing those stories in our own selves. What stories are we giving more attention to or putting more value on? So in the grand scheme of context, not all context is equal. Does that make sense? Like the context to any conversation or interaction or situation or any communication moment is made up of different contextual factors. The context is just not one. It's not one. It's not one broad layer. We exist in multiple contexts at any given moment. So we can break it down to the utterance, right? We've heard that language before. The utterance is what is said. And that exists in the context of me the individual who's saying it, but it also exists in the context of the episode or like the interaction that's happening as well as the larger society and the culture that exists. Another piece of context could be the feelings that exist around a topic uh, or the sense of self of the individuals in the interaction. Last time we heard Dr. McKay's take on the DAISY model, so let's go back to hear how she explains the hierarchy model and what it looks like in her work in couples therapy. Well, the hierarchy model is the building block of the whole thing. So the hierarchy model was, was intended to help us to understand that all of our lives are lived in a series of connected contexts, some of which are more influential than others. And, and, and so what we're always looking for in the hierarchy model is you know, what the four forces of the hierarchy model. So the prefigurative force, what did someone else say or do? that puts me in a position where I think I've got to respond like this. Mm -hmm. So that would be the contextual force. I'm a person who should respond like this. 
And then the implicative force is, if I were able to bring a better self to this, what might I say differently or do differently? And if I can do that, it's in order to create the practical force, which is create something better with other people. So what the hierarchy model helps us to do is look for the moral, moral logic and the influential context that shape the way that we relate and talk. And we're always looking at how they're nested. So the higher levels are always stronger than the lower levels, but there's no limit to the number of levels. And you can change the names as you wish. So there's no, so you don't have to have the traditional forms of the hierarchy. One of the things I look for in couple work when I'm, I use the hierarchy in my, my thinking is I'm looking for the, the, the relationship between the relationship level and the episode level. And so what I mean by that is I'm trying to work out whether the relationship between a couple who are really struggling with something, is it strong enough to withstand the episode that has got them into trouble? If it is, then I know my work's going to be easier. If it's switched, if the episode starts to define the couple relationship, and they say things like, I can't trust our relationship over all the years we've known each other because he, she just did this. How could they possibly? It's undermined everything. That I know I've got some work to do because I've got to shift the contexts. So using the hierarchy model helps me to know where to intervene to try and enable the relationship to be a higher context than the episode. I tend to use the hierarchy model to organize my thinking so that I always know I've got a question that I can ask because I can see individual in the context of a relationship, in the context of their life script, in the context of a family belief, in the context of a societal view, in the context of their social graces, gender, race, religion, age, ability, culture, class. So that hierarchy gives me a scaffold to my therapeutic conversations. The thing Dr. McKay and Barnett both note is that we're not stuck in one hierarchy. And this was important to me because that's, I, I didn't get that the first time I heard this model. As far as what is prioritized. But we are actually the ones who dictate what the hierarchy looks like. So we say what is important to us, uh, what we value, what layer of context has the biggest impact on all the others, which story impacts the others. The hierarchy model is giving us a frame to put our stories in. It helps us frame them. So imagine you're sitting at a table with a pencil and a piece of paper and you draw a big square and then you draw a smaller square inside of that one and a smaller one in that one and a smaller one in that one and so on. Then you get to label each square with which level of context is the highest level or the biggest square, meaning it's the most important and then down from there. That's all personal. My piece of paper with the squares on it might look different from yours, even if we're talking about the same interaction. Kim and Barnett talk about how this was healing for them when processing Barnett's cancer diagnosis, because they're flooded with stories, stories about themselves and the lives they thought they were going to have and new stories of what this meant for life now and their relationships and work and all of it. But they didn't stay lost in these stories because they had these tools because they're using CMM as the lens of their life, they kind of got organized, right? In the sense that they looked at each context and story with mindfulness. That's something big that they talk about. They do this to determine what was important to them. And 
to make sure that the things they said they valued aligned with the lives that they were actually living. We can use the hierarchy model and all of CMM to heal. That's definitely how I see it. I definitely experience moments, especially in my last four years of college and my communication classes, of maybe some regret. Like, oh, if I had just known what I know now, then I could have used it then and had much better communication, but that's not really a good use of my time to dwell like that. But what I can do is to look back on those interactions through the lens of CMM, the hierarchy model, and learn from it and heal some of that old poor communication and be forgiving of myself and the other people I engaged with, maybe in ineffective or even hurtful ways. But this is what I mean when I say that understanding the process of communication can improve our quality of life. You know, pinning down that cloud, this this something that we think is really abstract. It improves our quality of life and relationships because it really does have the ability to heal things that we can't change about the past and also empower us to communicate differently in the future. And that, my friends, is the hierarchy model. Thank you for joining me today for this mini-sode. Next week, we're talking to the amazing Rick Spann about music, improv, and conversation. It's a really good one. I'll see you then.